On this episode of Mistake by the Take, Jake and Dylan are talking the Guardians at the trade deadline. Aaron Savali moved to the Rays in exchange for a prospect. Noah Syndergaard makes his first start as a Guardian. And Gabriel Arias now looking to take over as a shortstop and how he's been doing so far. All that before a rest of the season outlook and finally getting into a preview of Friday's episode on the Browns' first preseason game. All that and more on this episode of Mistake by the Take. Mistake by the take, Jake Volnick alongside Dylan Feltovich, and uh, it's been a weekend. It's been a weekend. It's been a weekend, that's for sure. MLB trade deadline is here and... It's heating up, baby. ...in full action. Uh, We're recording this on August the 1st, so MLB trade deadline is in full swing today. Yeah, dude, I was about to say, you just missed a good opportunity there to make a little punt full full swing. Hey, man, I'm I'm right here. I got it. I'm Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice baseball meme. Good job. Yeah, Uh, I know. Pun, I should say. Uh, but before we get into all the uh, trades and everything happening around the league, and we'll talk guards today, got to ask the most important question, which is, Dylan, my good friend, how you doing today? I'm all right. Hanging in there. Just trying to get everything ready before I head back to school soon, because now that it's officially August 1st, it's that time again, you know? Yeah, unfortunately. I, unfortunately. Unfortunately and unfortunately. Yeah. Because, I mean, we got preseason football now. I know. We're literally two days away. Which I'm itching, bro. We can just plug it right now. We're moving um, the, our normal Friday, when it releases on Friday's episode back, we'll be recording it on Friday, talking reactions to the first game, the Hall of Fame game against the Jets that's being played on Thursday. Uh, that episode will probably come out later on Friday. I don't think we'll push the date back to Saturday. We'll just no. release it later Friday. I it all depends on just whenever we can get up here to record and stuff in our undisclosed location, obviously. Of course, of course. But, no, and this is Guard's Talk today. We're going to probably plug in a little bit of things that you can watch out for in the game at the end of the episode as well because there are a couple storylines that I think you guys should pay attention to during the preseason because I know it's it's hard to you know really decipher what to look out for during the preseason because, you know, your, your starters aren't usually playing and limited snap counts, but there's still relevant things that, again, you should be kind of seeing pan out to at least know, all right, heading into the season, what's going to happen. Yeah, and it'll also give you a little bit of a, a prelude to what we're going to be talking about on Friday's episode. Exactly. The things that we'll be focusing in on most. Bingo. You know, barring the fact that we have some random breakout game and you can confirm somebody's roster spot that you couldn't yet before confirm. Right. Uh, but right now, I think it is about time that we hop into the always trusty segment of Hot Off the Press. All right, Dylan. Let's get into it. All right. Starting off in the football world, and the Colts are a mess. Uh, there's no other way around that right now. First things first. Uh, running back, as everybody knows, Jonathan Taylor and Colts owner, who might not everybody know, Jim Ursay, in literal Twitter beef. Like, they are literally feuding on Twitter, sending tweets back and forth, Jonathan Taylor's agents in it, and then there's the whole Jonathan Taylor thinks he's going to be uh, 
playing, you know, the kind of cute game of, oh, my back hurts, or so it was said, Jonathan Taylor denies the claims, and the Colts threatened to put him on the non-football injury list. I don't even know where to go with this. If you know Jim Irsay, you know that he is this type of wild card. You don't know what you're going to get out of him because during the draft process, he admitted that he loved Bryce Young, which that's never a good sign because, again, you don't want to show your cards or anything like that. But, again, he's a very vocal guy, especially on social media. And he basically he said a couple quotes of, like, listen, like we're not going to trade him. We're not going to pay him. We're not going to do anything like this. And Jonathan Taylor, I'm assuming, kind of leaks a thing of, yeah, I want to get traded. And then after that, I'm th- I'm going to take a guess and say that the non-football-related injury issue that popped up there was them just basically leaking out saying, like, hey, we, could, we have full control over this situation and you don't. And, again, like, Jim Mersey is this type of dude to do that. And I, I don't know really what's going to go down from here because Jonathan Taylor also then comes out with a tweet saying, I never said that I had a back injury. I never reported that. That's all crap. So now it's going to get it's, it's going to get interesting to see what happens because now Zach Moss gets hurt too. He was the backup running back for them. And I know they still have guys like Deion Jackson, but not a household name. And especially, too, when you have a guy like Anthony Richardson where he's a rookie quarterback and he's very raw, you're going to need as much help as you can get because your wide receiver still is young and unproven. And it's just looking real sketchy now because, again, when you should have just shut your mouth and let things play out, you really didn't. Yeah, and... With Anthony Richardson, too, you have to imagine a lot of their offense, and I think there are tweets about this coming out from people watching their camp, too, probably going to be a lot of read option. It's going to be a lot of running. It's a lot of running focus because especially if you look at Shane Steichen and his past, where does he come from? The Eagles. So when you look at the Eagles, what did they do a lot? They ran the read option with Jalen Hurts, which is a great thing for Anthony Richardson because – a lot of people are going to see kind of that mold of, you know, athletic quarterback with a good arm in Anthony Richardson. So, in in company, you need someone to run the ball to take pressure off of Anthony Richardson as well. And that was going to be Jonathan Taylor. So now there's many red flags of, is Jonathan Taylor even going to play this year? What are we going to get out of him? Is he going to stay healthy? And you don't have depth now, too, because Zach Moss was a very good depth piece. I loved it for them when they made that trade because, again, like Jonathan Taylor missed time last year, and he stepped in and played a pretty crucial role in that offense. So I can't wait to see what happens with all this, and it's fun being on the outside and not have to worry about it being my team. But at the same time, it's going to shake up the running back market in general. No, it definitely will. By the way, Jim Irsay, a great follow on Twitter, dude. Like, he just – the out-of-pocket things he says – I don't get why people were getting all pissed off at him. He tweeted out a lyric from Miss You by the Rolling Stones. Granted, it's not like the best of lyrics, and like people were getting all pissed off at him about that. Dude, he's a normal guy who probably shouldn't have social media in his hands and the influence that he has, but it's, it's just funny. like my dad, if he had Twitter kind of thing. Not like to that extent, obviously, but it's just like a boomer on Twitter kind of thing. Do you want a great tweet from 2010 and Jim Irsay that somebody sent me? Let's hear it. In Miami playing Angry Birds in a hotel room. 
One of them suckers hopped out the window and bit my dog Howard right in the ass. Too much caffeine. I have no words. Like, I, don't I don't think know. anybody should. That's... I don't know. Like what? I don't know. That, that's what I'm saying. Like Jim Irsay is just, if nothing funny else, an entertaining follow on Twitter. So yeah, he's, he's a guy. He's a he's a guy to say the least. But yeah, yeah I'm. It, it, I don't know. This is going to have heavy implications on the running back market. Yeah, sure. You can keep it football related. That's probably a good idea. Um, it's it probably, is a sports podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, Jim Irsay is a sports guy, and his tweets matter to sports. Um, <laughs> is he though? <laughs> no. I, yes. I don't Maybe. know how to answer that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. It's definitely gonna. It, it's another big play in the running back market that we see just slowly unfolding. Yeah. This. Uh, there's a boom coming here soon. Oh, and I can't wait for it. The NFL, NFLPA, and running backs alike. Like. We should we should, honestly we should have a full episode one of these times about it because I I could go in like hours on hours about this yeah I mean we could literally talk about this forever like oh we, totally running backs are two nerds yeah. going at it right but, unfortunately know. that's the boat we live in <laughs> um sticking with the NFL though a lot of updates on some injuries that are happening around the league and this is never a good topic to like a happy one to talk about but one you always have to address. Uh, first things first, we had mentioned Joe Burrow with a calf strain. It appears that's all it is now. We haven't gotten any update on anything further or less than that. We just know he's going to be out for a little bit. I, I doubt he plays a preseason snap. I, my guess is just he'll be out for the preseason. He'll be ready for week one. I don't really see a scenario where he misses multiple different weeks. It, it, the report said, Zach Taylor said that it was going to be several weeks. Again, I think it was just saying, like, we're just going to keep him chilled out until the regular season starts because they open up against the Browns. That which they do. It's a very important game for both teams, especially in, in division and you know across the state. So I I think it's I, my fantasy team just took a big deep breath there because I did in my one league I selected Jamar Chase and then the other, my dynasty league I have Joe Burrow. So it's like alright, I dodged a bullet there. Yeah, sweat so, off the brow. Yeah, and I mean Again, it's uh, I, nothing that I'm hitting the panic button on. No, no, it's not like panic button. Um, from a Browns perspective, I'll ask you this because I've heard this question floating around in Cleveland sports media. Um, would you rather take the free win against Burrow? I don't know if we talked about this or not. But, like, would you take the free win against the backup? I shouldn't say free win against Burrow. Free win against a backup or what should be a free win. Or, for the Browns' sake, would you rather have to have them play Burrow and beat Burrow? I don't know. I, I'm under the perspective you should just always take the win when you got it. I, I think so, too. But at the same time, I, I want to see where this team's at. And I don't think that gives you a proper gauge if you're beating up on a backup quarterback. That's the thing. You won't know, but also in— A free win's a free win. Yeah. I agree. Like, we're in the AFC North. You, I completely you take agree. Your wins. Yeah, and the problem is— Against an AFC North team. Uh, yeah, like, no, I, I completely agree. But at the same time, that's kind of banking on someone to get like to be hurt and stuff. It's just morally so incorrect. Oh, 100%. But that's the world of sports we live in, right? Like, no, I I, trust, he, yeah, I get it. Again, like if it was in, Joe Burrow was in serious health, this would not be the conversation I'm having. But the dude strained his calf. Like he's going to be okay. He's going to be fine. So, I again... Yeah, it's nice to get a win whenever, but at the same time, I mean, it, the truth of the matter is, too, Joe Burrow does struggle against the Browns. Like yeah. that, That's a proven fact. Like, even he admitted it. Like, he doesn't have a good record against them. That, that, that's just 
a fact at this point. And I'm not saying that it's going to continue into the rest of the his career or anything like that. But for now, he hasn't had a good track record against him. So it's not like I'm just like hitting the panic button or anything like that. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I think it's whatever. I want. I I truly just want to see where this team's at week one. Yeah, and we might get that. We might not. It just depends if you get Burrow and if you really get 100% Burrow, right? Like, right. We don't know. Like Coming off a strained calf, you might not be as mobile as you were able to. You might not be able to get as much behind your throws. You might not even play. We don't know. Yeah, we'll just I have agree. to wait and see. Uh, other name to talk about, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I think we mentioned this on one of our last episodes. We did. Yeah, that he had torn his meniscus. He's going to go out until December is what it sounds like. Sounds like. Um, I think the one interesting piece beyond this right now is that the Dolphins signed Eli Apple off the free agent market. Yeah, and it was kind of funny seeing Tyreek Hill going at it. It's like practice on Monday is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there was that. Did you see uh, Mike McDaniels? No, what did he say? Uh, Somebody goes, what do you think of Apple? And he just goes, it's a fruit. (laughs) Oh, you mean Eli. Yeah. Yeah, no. Mike McDaniels is funny. He's something else. He's a a funny guy. But, uh, no, I mean, I... That was another thing where I was really excited for Jalen Ramsey to come into this offense. I mean, not this offense, this defense, especially in the Vic Fangio scheme because, I mean, Vic Fangio, one of the best best defensive coordinators, and I'm assuming if all goes well, he's probably going to get a head coaching job next year and another chance. I'm assuming. Definitely possible. But overall, like it, it hurts because this is a top three corner, and he would have fit perfectly into this scheme. But, again, they do have a lot of depth there, too. They took um, uh, Cam Smith in the second round this year, which he was a guy that I really like. And he has a lot of speed, which would fit into that system pretty well. So I think they're going to be okay because, again, they have a lot of talented pieces on that defense, especially, too. Vic Fangio will definitely elevate them. But overall, it does hurt. So I think they're going to – probably be fine it's not going to be anything that's going to wreck this whole defense but you know no and he'll be back at some yeah, point later, and he'll be back so. too so hopefully you could just maintain then yeah until you until he gets back that's what you have to do it's good defense around him so right uh we can rip off a few of these other names tim patrick towards tears his achilles uh really unfortunate coming directly off of an acl tear and that coming off of a year where he kind of looked i mean he was fantasy relevant which is why we all kind of remember him but he was starting to kind of fit into his own, wasn't looking bad at all, and now you have back-to-back leg injuries, and it's unfortunate for a guy that I see a lot of potential in. Right, and that's the same thing. KJ Hamler now dealing with a hard condition as well, so I don't know the timetable on that one either, but there's two guys where everyone talks about this Broncos wide receiving room having a lot of depth, and now you just got two guys that are shot because that was your wide receiver three and four and now they're toast. Yeah, your depth is out the window. But they do have a guy in Marvin Mims coming in who I was a huge fan of in this draft process but I I don't know. I think it's you need as much help as you can get with this Broncos team especially now Sean Payton, Russell Wilson all these guys playing big factors into it but you know these hurt these really do hurt because Tim Patrick, again, he's very underrated. K.J. Hammer, when he can stay healthy, both of these guys, they're both underrated. So I, it's going to hurt, and 
I'm assuming then you're going to see some more guys step up into these roles. Again, I think Marvin Mims is going to have some type of factor in this offense. And then lastly, too, it, it, this basically does shut down any Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton rumors of getting traded. Oh, yeah, you 100% cannot go anywhere so, even near that right exactly. now. So. But, no, I mean, it, it sucks for both of these two. Yeah, and the last one, Clyde, you can't see. Uh, right calf strain, he's out for a few weeks. Yeah, I, and that one, another thing, I watched him in the draft. Really liked him. It would have been. It, it's going to be interesting seeing him alongside Via Veda. That's kind of the one that I mentioned. Like if he gets a role this year, right? But I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Another guy that I liked in this draft. No, definitely. Uh, we're getting a couple MLB trades now. Before uh, just to wrap things up, a lot of these not that big, but we'll talk about a couple of the big ones and then just rattle off the smaller ones. Uh, first things first, the Rangers are just stealing the starting pitching of the league right now. I don't know what's happening. But they would go out and get Max Scherzer from the Mets and Jordan Montgomery. There's the pitching that the Rangers got. But we were talking about it for the longest time. They, We said Shane Bieber could potentially end up with the Rangers. We don't know. And now finally he ends up – well, the Rangers end up getting Max Scherzer and Jordan Montgomery, which, I mean, both slam dunk acquisitions – so this Rangers team is going to be lethal. Yeah, they, they really are. This is a scary sight to see right now out of that team. Like their offense has slowed down a little bit, but obviously they're still a very good offensive team. And, and then you now, had two really I mean, Jordan Montgomery's been pitching pretty well this year. Scherzer's been a little iffy. Not quite the he's form still he's in last Max year. Scherzer, though. Like there's exactly. no doubt about it. Like I I just that team's just gonna be wicked. Yeah, it's it. It just goes to show you that the AL is just a nightmare, uh, having to deal with every all these teams. Yeah, no thanks. Out of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> and by no thanks, I can't say that because we're in the AL. Yeah, so that's unfortunate. We got to deal with it. Yeah, uh, I'll switch to the NL for the yeah. rest of the season. Thank you. Um, <laughs> you you did technically with the Reds. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> uh, still a Guards fan though. Still, still a Guards fan, fan first. Still guards um, fan. other big one, the Angels also going all in. We talked about how they got Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez last time, but now they go ahead and add C.J. Crone and Randall Gritchick from the Colorado Rockies. Two guys that know how to use a bat. I still don't really like them going all in, to be honest with you. It is what it is. If you don't think you're going to have Otani after this, I mean, you're going to be in a rebuild either way. Trout's not what he once was. Like He's still a great player, but little bit dealing with injuries now, the, and he's getting up there in age. Like, but the thing is, if you go through a rebuild then next year and you don't have Otani with you, you're, you're, you're losing, dumping prospects. Yeah, right. you're dumping all your prospects. So it just doesn't make any sense from that perspective. It's a deep rebuild. You are going to be out for a few years at well, the bottom of the division. And I'm assuming then you're going to have to move off of some big names then at that point if you're going to go through a rebuild. But what I think... I don't think they're going all out just for this year. I think they're going all out for a couple more years to hope that you can sign Otani. That's that's exactly what I think what it's going to go there. But I I don't know. I still think it's fifty fifty on if he moves off of them or not. Uh, no, I agree. But I mean, you add some guys, show them some team success to end the year. Yeah, no, it, it makes him more appealing to stay there. I completely agree. But overall, we'll see what happens. I guess because if this doesn't work out. And Otani does leave after this year, you're gonna have a mess on your hands. Yeah, and you got to deal Mike Trout at that point, right? Uh, you could try. That guy's on a crazy contract. I mean, it's Mike Trout. I mean, it's Mike Trout. Though. Yeah, somebody I mean, will take it. Yeah. but but at the same time, like you need more prospects. 
and you you're just unloading a shit ton right now and it's just it, it doesn't I don't know it's I, a risky approach it's very risky and it's either gonna pan off pay off really well or just go to shit you know yeah because this time. is a fireable offense if it doesn't work out oh yeah 100% like everybody in the front office is gone yeah I agree um we'll rattle off the last of these uh Paul DeYoung and Jordan Hicks are now Blue Jays and all these guys being traded basically for prospects like yeah these aren't there weren't any like name for name trades really not at a high level as you typically see in baseball uh rich hill will be going from the pirates to the padres brad hand which a lot of cleveland guys will remember that name he ends up on the braves for the rest of the year uh jamer candelario is now going to the cubs as they look to compete i think they're now six games back right around there as of last night uh mark canna goes from the mets to the brewers as they start to unload and another name from the mets david robertson ends up in miami also, another thing to mention, Cubs are not going to deal Cody Bellinger now. He's off the market. They're making a run. I mean, going into yesterday, and they played the Reds, who were in the division lead, they were like four or five games back. And it, I could see it because the NL is pretty weak. It's kind of just like in football right now where, oh, man, there wow. goes the voice. Yeah. Yeesh. But it's kind of like in football, too, where it's just it, it, one division, well, one conference that is – you know, weaker than the other. So, I mean, I, I guess go for it. Yeah. But in the other boat, like, if you're on the AL, like, <laughs> there's nothing really you could do, yeah. you know? No, not really. I, I've had to fact check myself, by the way. Cubs going into today, which, again, recording this on Tuesday, five games back in the NL Central. Um, last thing's last, though, I wanted to talk about an AL Central team that is making huge moves at the deadline, but not to make a run for first place. That's who, in the last two years, people have been predicting this team to be good near the top of the list, and they have completely dropped the ball each and every time. The Chicago White Sox are unloading. We already talked about it. They got rid of Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. They went to the Angels. Kendall Graveman now is on with the Astros, and Lance Lynn has been dealt to the Dodgers. I'm okay with it. Again, it... it, it you wouldn't be if you were a White Sox fan. Looking from the outside, yeah, obviously it's it's tough because I again I'm not rooting for the White Sox or anything like that, but it's just it is frustrating to see that because this team had so much potential. And we've been talking about the White Sox being good for literally the longest time, like four or five years. I feel like at this yeah. point they've been ready to be at the top of the AL Central, and, and they have just, just haven't been there. Never provided. It's been very frustrating for that fan base, and I completely understand. I go back to that rant. That yeah, that one, one that dude at the, on, uh, in like April, yep. and it was in uh, the ESPN Chicago or something I like think that. So. Their radio station. I mean, that was hilarious. But at the same time, like, I, that's how it is, you know. And, and it's not even like they're in our situation where they're competing every year for the division. Like, they're not even close anymore. No, I mean, it's, they have fallen way out of contention. They're eleven games back. They're in the tier with like not completely, but they're in that situation like the Royals right now where it's just like you're out of it and there's no getting back. I mean the White Sox are literally 43 and 64. It's it's horrendous. Like they're not they're not the Royals. The Royals are 22 games back, but at the same time though you're you're still you're you're out. Like you're done. You are you are an official seller and you are unloading everything now. Which is it's very frustrating because again they had the potential and it just never panned out. And what's the one – I think there's only one guy that's off – like that's not on the trade block for them. Um, I couldn't even tell you who. 
there's only one guy that they're keeping basically at this point, but every everyone else is. Yeah, maybe I it's mean, Luis Roberts, maybe. Luis Robert would probably make sense, yeah. But overall, it's yeah, unload everything, get more prospects, and I guess try it again. Well, I'm happy I'm not a White Sox fan at this point, and that's coming from a Guardians fan, so that's pretty wild. Um, <laughs> I'm to not be happy to be, you know, any other fan base is kind of crazy. There's like, should only be a handful. Yeah. But uh, that wraps up Hot Off the Press, so we'll call on our good friend. Dylan, uh, send us off. Lisa, if you may, put out the fire. Great. Now we'll never get the game back. Alright, time to get into the Gardas talk. And of course the game's coming back. Almost forgot that. Can't let that slide. But, while we're going to get into the Gardas talk, we will start off with the biggest news heading into today, which was yesterday that the Guardians were active at the deadline again. But this one a little bit different. It's a weird active. Yeah, it is a weird active. They go ahead and trade Aaron Savale to the Tampa Bay Rays in exchange for Kyle Manzardo, which I say that and I expect 90% of anybody who listens to tilt their head and go, huh? Who? I mean, I did the same thing too. When I first read the name, and I'm somebody who's watched minor league baseball, uh, more than I ever should have, and I still am like, I gotta look up who this is. Like, I, I could take a stab at you know, like, kind of what he is, whatever. But I still, I haven't heard much of the name. He's the Rays' number four prospect, so I mean, that's really high. That's some promise there, yeah. Um, he's a first baseman. We'll we'll get into a little bit more on him as we go on. I want to start off with Aaron Savali though, and how this deal even got done. Because it makes sense in my mind, but I don't know if anybody's on the same page that I've gotten to here. At least most people. Savali on the year is 5-2, and two, which, again, records you might as well you know, You're mailbox not a fan it of out of the park. Yeah, those don't really matter, but I'll mention it. Uh, and he's at a career-low ERA of 2-3-4. Aaron Savali is not a bad pitcher. Like, he is, this is not some, like, random, oh, he's just having the time of his life, guard's got to move out of him now, like, he's just not good and he's playing way above. Like, he is good. He has been good. The problem you have with Savali, and we've had this problem as long as we can remember, the dude can't stay healthy. He struggles every single year to stay on the field. And now you get the opportunity to move off of him, but not only move off of him while he's healthy and pitching well. Like, it it is the perfect time to go ahead and say, this dude is having the year of his career and he's likely to get hurt again, and we don't have to deal with it anymore. And we can get a lot back. Yeah. So are you – what are you basically going after? Like, are you good with this trade or what? I, what will you get in return questions? It puts a little bit of a question mark. I mean, okay. I'll get into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, But in terms of trading Savali, I'm all uh, for this. I was all – yeah, no, I completely agree. The, I was all on board for this. The correct move was to move Savali right now. Yeah. Because, again, the injuries have been there and continue to be there, and we have not seen any sign that they go away, and that's rough. Like, it, on a pitching staff who already deals with a lot of injuries, that's tough. And especially, too, you are going to keep Shane Bieber now. At least 
Yeah, for the rest of this year. For right? the rest, for the rest of this year, you're going to have him, and he's eventually going to come back. That's yeah, September think, 10th again at the earliest. And that's I think people are starting to like they're not really realizing that we're going to have Shane Bieber towards the end of the season. Yeah, if you're it's just not right now, if you put yourself in a good spot, he'll be there for a playoff run. Exactly. So people that are freaking out about oh you know we gave up Aaron Savali like that you know the pitching depth where what are we gonna do now and stuff like I get it for now it's gonna hurt. But once these guys start to come back from injuries, it's kind of a good move to at least get something in return for a guy where you don't know if he's going to be hurt again. Am I am I wrong for saying that? Uh, unless your argument is the fact that you do know he's going to be hurt again, then yeah. Like I like I would I would place my money on Aaron Savali having another injury of some sort and missing you know semi-major time at some point in his career. So then you might as well get something in return for it, and they did. Yeah. I think the the question, though, is valid on what the guards plan to do here in the starting rotation. I think that's a valid argument. No, it is. Because you went out and traded Ahmed Rosario to get no Syndergaard, and you literally got Syndergaard because you got him on a basically value deal. You got him for super, super cheap because the Dodgers are paying most of his salary. And he's a guy that has had success and he can eat innings. We We know that he can go deep into games. And before you got Syndergaard and he was ready to start, you're starting Xavier Curry, which is essentially a bullpen game. I mean, the guy's not going any longer than three innings. You got the opener. Yeah, I mean, as I like to say, quite literally, like Xavier Curry could be a starter, but it would take time. It's usually right? like a three inning. <laughs> yeah, like he doesn't go any farther than three. But now you deal Savali, and you get a first baseman prospect back in return, but you don't add any pitching, which I'm I'm perfectly fine with. Again. But now you have to look, sit back and look and go, okay, what is actually happening here? Like, who is going to get the call up to either eat those innings or the guard is just living with the fact that you're going to be pitching an opener every fifth day? I think you're living with the idea of pitching with an opener for the fifth day. If you, Because the problem is, again, now looking at the whole plan and seeing now the, tr- to the two trades against each other, it kind of looks like it was more of just a one-for-one swap of Syndergaard is going to come in and basically take over the Aaron Savali role, which it sounds weird to say, but at the same time, I mean, it makes sense. And, you know, it made sense for the Rays as well, too, because they needed that kind of of middle-of-the-rotation guy. So I I get it for their perspective, and I I know going back to that part, but at the same time, we also kind of need that as well, too, because – you look at the depth right now with this team and their rotation. Obviously, with the injuries, it's hard to determine that. But again, if you get the guys back, I could see where it makes sense. But at the same time, it's still like I don't know. And again, I think more of you're looking at it from a postseason perspective. You're probably only going to see three of these guys. Yeah. It's no, going to turn into a three-man or a four-man rotation. I'm assuming it'll probably be three. It'll probably be three. The problem is you have to get there, right? Like, No, and I completely agree. I'm just looking at it from the perspective of, okay, maybe down the road it makes sense. But right now, you need to get there, and you don't have enough pitching right now to get there. I think I have a possible solution, and I think this might be the solution they're looking at. Oh, boy. You do have a guy who's been sitting on the 60-day I.L., who's now making rehab starts, who's pitched in the major leagues this year. And who is that? That is Mr. Peyton Battenfield. 
I think that's probably what they're going to turn to as he, the fifth uh, guy. As of a week ago, he pitched in Columbus on a rehab start, went five and a third innings, struck out two, giving up four runs. I'm okay with him being the fifth guy. Five and a third innings isn't that bad no. on a rehab start. No. I agree. I think this is probably who you go to. No, this is probably definitely what they're going to go to. Because if not, I mean, we've talked about the Columbus pitching staff. It, There's it's no not pretty. One. Like, There's no one right now. All those guys are not where they need to be and are not major league ready. Even double A too is like it's it's sketchy. Yeah, you know? like I mean that's what happens when you fast track you know what three guys to the MLB this year. And it's not even like it's not a bad thing. It's just that's how it happens. They're yeah. good enough, you know. Right, like the guys are ready to be there, and now just yeah, take them in there. Yeah. Now you actually have prospects waiting to uh, develop right. in your minor league system They're instead of major just league developing. guys yeah. just. Sitting down there throwing baseballs. No, it's a good it's a good process too. And again, you're getting the arms up here like you needed. But at the same time, then when the injuries start to happen, you know where are you going to turn to? And I, luckily, I'm a, I know Battenfield had his issues early on in the year. Like yeah. he started out hot and then he started to fall off and then gets injured. And again, he was kind of like the fifth man, sixth man out of it. Issues, issues. Uh- a nice way to put it. Um, the Guardians, when Peyton Batfield pitches, are 0-7, and he has an 0-5 record. Again, some of that not his own undoing. We know how the offense was to start the year. But it's so I, – I know it, it. So you can bring up stats and seeing how bad – but like also, too, there's been – we've seen flashes of him being productive in the league. At least, like, passable, right? Yes, that's what I'm – he didn't. He never looked great. You're I'll not, say that. Like he, he didn't ever look incredible lights out. You're not but that's the thing. You're not looking for him to be a middle of the rotation guy. He's no. a back end guy. He's I mean, gonna like, be the fifth guy. He's the caboose. Yeah. So I'm not really worried about this one being something like where it's like, oh, okay, we, we need someone to come in, eat up a crap ton of innings. No, you got that in Syndergaard. So now that you got at least a guy that could fill in that role. Battenfield fills it perfectly for that last guy to be in there to at least get you to the postseason. And now that the sticks are hot, I would like to see. I wouldn't. Okay, hot, streaky at least at this point. They're, no, they've been pretty good. They've been they've been pretty good. I again. I'm, I'm, I think that's fair to say. I think yeah. it's fair to say that they've been at least a middle of the pack offense, if not better. Since like June, it's been better than when Battenfield was on the mound. I we'll agree on that one. Uh, Battenfield, I mentioned his terrible 0 and 7 record that when he pitches, uh, the teams also never went out and gotten him more than three runs when right. he pitches. So, so it, now that your bats are starting to finally pick up, it's going to be a different story for Peyton Battenfield. So I'm interested to see where this is going to end up eventually for the rotation because again, you're not looking for a guy. In the postseason, you're looking for a guy right now, and my, it's perfect perfect scenario for him. My fear is they don't call up Peyton Battenfield. I, I don't I don't think I'm worried about that to be honest with you because it, it, they're you really think they're going to turn to an opener? I would hope not. I don't think they like, do that. They usually make. They've made questionable decisions so far this year. No, no, no. I'm saying in the p- pitching perspective, they usually make the correct calls in the pitching aspect. He's still right. on the sixty day. No, technically I, I he's agree. on a rehab. Like, I'm just. How long I, I, does this I, go on that we're pitching an opener and we just got off of it and now we're back to it? Like, you are in a playoff race. You cannot afford to be pitching an opener every fifth day for even a two to three week span. That I can't be a thing. I agree, and that's why I don't think they're going to turn to that. 
I, I don't think they're going to go to it long term, but like Battenfield needs to be ready like next week, like on the mound pitching next week, or I, somebody else. Like I, I don't know what's going on with Hunter Gaddis. Like at this point, I'd I, rather that, have Gaddis I, on the mound than Xavier Curry opening games. Not a shot at Xavier Curry. Think he's great. He's just a bullpen piece. That's yeah, why I, I need guys that can eat at least some innings. Yeah, I, I just I, I guess I have more confidence in them than you do to make the correct decision. I mean, I hope they go to bat and field again. He was never great, especially down the stretch. Like, his last two outings, he gave up four-plus runs to two AL Central teams, like, in not great fashion. But, but I, I, again, they, they've made smart decisions with the pitching all year. They called up Gavin Williams well, at the right time. Yeah, you know, Bieber probably should have been pitching Bieber, for the last okay, two months. okay, that was a different story. But I'm just saying, like, bringing up guys... They brought up Logan T. Allen. They brought up Tanner Bybee, another guy. So it's just they've made correct moves in that department at least most of the time to the point where I can trust them, uh, trust in them to make the right decision in this one and bring Pat and Battenfield back up again one more time. Man, I hope so. I think it pans out. I think it pans out truthfully. I I really need to see a real starter on the mound, and Battenfield can at least give you innings again. And that's again, all he I'm gives for. you innings, yeah. And uh, that's what they, they did that earlier in the year when you were dealing with injuries, and you're in the same spot again. So I'm assuming that they would just do the similar thing you until what? you start to get healthy guys back into the rotation. Five and a third out of Battenfield and AAA. I mean, that's that's service long enough. Yeah, like if you can go five and a third in the MLB, that's great. Yeah, that, I mean, four innings That's what of bullpen did work last night, right? Like four innings of uh, bullpen work, tough, but like you can get through it. Yeah. Um, moving on to the other side of the trade, though, what we get in return for Savali, Kyle Manzardo. Again, if you don't know who this kid is, first baseman prospect, currently in AAA, was expected to make his debut this year, according to MLB Pipeline. He's obviously blocked up there. Yandy Diaz kind of playing out of his mind. Um, <laughs> He's doing pretty good. Oh wait, who did Yandy Diaz used to play for? Oh God, hold on, let me let me think to the callback. Oh, that's right, uh, Tito Francona's uh, Cleveland Indians at that point, I believe. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Now he's an All Star starter at first base. Uh, but Kyle Manzardo, uh, yeah, Manzardo. This is how you get him here. Okay, I mentioned you were selling high on Savali. You're also buying low on this kid. He was ranked as the fourth prospect. But this is the first year in his minor league career he struggled. All of last year, I mean, you can run down his years right now. He got drafted in 2021. He was in the Florida Complex League with the Rays, hit 349. 2022, he split time between uh, Montgomery and Bowling Green, the AA and AAA clubs for the Tampa Bay Rays. In AA, he was hitting 323 in high A, excuse me, not AA, AAA, high A, AA. Uh, double A, he was hitting 323. High A, he was hitting 329. Triple A this year, he stalled out. He's hitting 238. Like, that is not good at all. When, when you go from a 320 jump to a 240, that's like that is why you're getting this kid right now. The Guardians are hoping that he didn't stall out, right? Like, he didn't get to Triple A, and now he just can't hit the pitching, and he hasn't hit a wall, and that it's just a big slump. But you're taking a risk. As are the Rays. This is a risky move on both sides. Oh, I agree. Like, the Rays could go and get Savali, and he could, you know, get hurt next week, as with any pitcher, but Savali especially. 
Manzardo could just not be a good hitter anymore. This kid could, you know, have completely jacked up his swing in the offseason and just never get back to form. You might never see him play a game in the MLB or very limited and not do well. I don't really... I think it's a bigger risk for the Rays because you're investing in a guy to be in the middle of your rotation while you're trying to make a postseason run. So I think that's a bigger risk for them. Yeah, but they don't give up anything, for at least for the immediate future. Yeah, but at the same time, for... In like the, I don't know. I think that it's it's hard to really determine how it's going to pan out. But when you see a guy put up numbers like he did before, and him still being only twenty three years old, I really don't think he's going to stall out. Bad seasons come and go. You don't know. We we don't know what he's going through right now. He could, mental issues, just literally anything in general could be affecting him right now. And we we don't know. Or maybe something in the swing. I don't know. But at the same time, like he has proven to be an effective bat. So I'm willing to take the chance on him. Now, I think the issue that I have now is are you going to get into another Nolan Jones situation? This is what I'm thinking, right? Like, this was my next point. You get went and got a first base pin. Now, granted, when you have any prospect this high, you, you take who you can get, right? Like, right. You're, you're just taking bats at this point, especially if you're the Guardians who can't develop a, a good hitter. A freaking bat to save their lives, yeah. Yeah, you, you go ahead and take any guy. But you also just went and got a first baseman. Like, Josh Bell is still currently here, although you have to imagine he probably doesn't spend too much more time in Cleveland. No, I, I, I'm I, assuming that he will not be with the Guardians. The way the he's playing, yeah, you're not earning a second contract, at least not a favorable one. Right. Um, the same thing can't be said for Josh Naylor. Josh Naylor is here to stay if the Guardians have any sort of brain, right? He, like He's locked in. The fans love There's him. There's no doubt about that. He one. was he's probably one of the best first basemen in the AL in my mind. If and you got to pay best. him, too. Yeah, no, it, it makes complete sense but at the same time then why would you go and get a first base prospect when you already have that position locked up there you go unless i mean the other thing that you can think of is that the fact that josh naylor i mean he's dealt with like problems i think he's a really good first baseman defensively like not he's obviously not like a gold glove winner in my eyes but he's good maybe you turn this kid into a dh strictly that or you push josh naylor into a dh strictly position or, I mean, we even seen it before Josh Naylor play the outfield, which I would not want that to happen. Or this kid play the outfield, which, again, I wouldn't want that to happen either. Uh, as far as I know, he hasn't played anywhere in the minor leagues or in college other than first base. Which, I don't know. I think they did. They had the right mindset of getting a lefty bat with some power that has potential and buying low on him. But I just think that they got the position wrong. Because, again, like I don't know what you're planning to do with it now. I, I mean, you could say they got the position wrong, but, like, realistically, you, you know the guards need to make upgrades in positions, but, like, what are you going after? Like, you can't go after a middle infielder. For the love of God, you can't go after a middle infielder. I'd probably go for a center fielder. Like, or I, or just I, a center fielder or a right fielder. One of those two. You already got a log jam there, too, right now. Like, I mean, it, I, obviously we've talked about this. this is, I'm just playing devil's advocate again. But, like, Miles Straw, who, you know, our feelings on that, but Will Brennan, Oscar Gonzalez, David Fry, all in the outfield, 
a handful of those guys not playing too shabby. That's why I'm like, but I have the least confidence in those spots, though. Like, I have the most confidence in first base. And I would hope third base. I would No, I'm saying in like <laughs> the middle infield. I have more confidence in the middle infield than I do in the outfield in those two spots. Yeah, just because it's so deep right now, and you right. already have those guys that are kind of there. And Arias is starting to play pretty well. Yeah, we'll which get is, into him, yeah. Yeah, which is funny to think about because, oh, well, you actually are playing him in the spot that he's supposed to be playing. Ooh, Crazy. Who like, who who was saying that for the longest time? But anyways, yeah, we'll get into him later. I just don't really know where you're going to really stick this kid. That's yeah. my issue because it, I don't – you've – Known your track record of trying to play guys in positions that they can't play. So then why do you keep trying to do that? It makes no sense in my mind. Here's the thing, too, by the way. You went and got this kid, and he's pretty much MLB. I don't want to say he's MLB ready because of the way he's played in AAA this year. He could be MLB ready next year. What is your plan? Like, Josh Bell is on a two-year deal. Like, he's not gone after this year. But don't they have a team option? Upset. Player option. Oh. Josh Nell is... Josh Nell. I can't talk. Josh Bell is exercising that player option. He's crazy not to. He's getting paid $16.5 million if he exercises it. Yeah. He's not getting paid $16.5 on a new contract. Unless for some reason they just drop him. Cut him. But I mean, you would eat, well, you're going to eat, eat the sixteen money. mil. Yeah, no, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Like, I, just, I don't know if you've met the Dolans or have any. Uh, pretty cheap. Yeah, any inkling with any Guardians uh, ownership, but they ain't cutting sixteen and a half million dollars. They won't even bench Miles Straw because the dude's making five. Right. It took them forever to cut Mike Zanino, and he was on what five mil? Six. Yeah. So, I, again, your plan. I I don't know what their plan is. I don't see anything like, and like maybe maybe it pans out. This kid takes two years and he gets there, but or maybe it is one of those things where it's like he doesn't. I don't even know. Like maybe maybe you're gonna try to trade him. Who knows? I guess this kid would. I I can't imagine his value is all that high. No, I know. I'm just saying though. Like it, maybe that's what it comes to. You package him into something else. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I don't know. I just don't understand this full plan though. It, it, it's, it, there's a lot of question marks with it. I see it long term, but in terms of helping you within the next year or two, I just don't no, understand it. I don't. I don't see it either. And maybe that's not their goal, you know. But maybe they don't trust in Valera either. That's the only other thing that I can really think of because that's the other bat in your system where you're just like, all right, you got some power and you got juice there. But than, because I mean, I'm slowly starting to lose trust in Valera. I I think Valera's a good bat. I think he's a lot to work on though. That's what I'm saying. And this guy becomes a little bit more sure. And then I, I truly feel like they're going to try to put him in a spot, though, that's going to really screw with him in a sense of he's not going to play the position that he has been brought up to be. Again, he's only played first base, which is promising to the fact that Tito shouldn't move him around too much. But again, you have first base locked up. Yeah. And, you know, Tito's been known to dabble and other places where guys don't look as uncomfortable or look as comfortable. Yeah. So that's a fear. Um but yeah, Kyle Manzardo coming to the guards in exchange for Aaron Savali. Eh, we'll see how it pans out. We'll see what happens, I guess. They definitely don't get better this year from it. No. But in years coming, which I think is more of your window, you look better. I agree. You, you don't need to keep Savali around. I agree. I, I, it was the right time to move off. 
It was it was the right time for that one. I just again we have question marks about the return. Yeah. Uh we started to talk about Syndergaard a little bit. He made his first start yesterday, Monday, July thirty first. Going up against the Astros, guards fall seven to three. I mean, it's the Astros. Uh, you don't expect to win that series like basically ever as they now sit a game back in the AL Central as the Twins didn't play yesterday. But in terms of Syndergaard, I liked what I saw. Yeah. Uh, he finished his day going five and a third, giving up just one run on two hits, walks two guys, struck out nobody, which is kind of crazy. But his he only threw 68 pitches in that five and a third, ended up getting removed from the game after he took a comebacker directly off his leg. Unfortunate, very, very unfortunate. Um, he's currently listed as day to day. I don't know if they've done X rays, anything like that, or you know if it was a precautionary poll. A lot of the time, you see that when guys get hit, and he's just perfectly fine, just on a day to day, he'll be back. That's honestly what I would more expect. The Guardians probably went out there and were like, "All right, um, so a pitcher getting hurt, yeah, we're just gonna play this one safe. Um, we can't deal with that. No, we we just went and got this guy. Yeah, especially too now with." Savali being traded right before any of this happens. It, I mean, obviously this probably wasn't the plan, but I, now you're kind of like looking at it. Hopefully he's going to be okay. I'm assuming that he probably will be. But no, I mean, I I wasn't expecting this. I, nobody could be. And, and, the I mean, dude had a seven ERA this year. Especially, yeah, one one and four, six point six eight ERA now. I. It's not the Noah Syndergaard everyone knows, but at the same time, it's what we need, though, which is a guy that's going to chew up innings. Like, I thought he was only going to go like three, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like, honestly, I thought he was going to get pulled at about four or five. I just, I didn't know if he was going to make it to that point. Yeah, I I thought he was probably going to go like, yeah, he was going to go longer, too. Right. Um, I just got to see the video. It actually popped up directly on the side of the page where I was Before, looking yeah. at. So I just zoomed in and watched it. He looked okay. He looked fine. Like yeah, I, again, he I, took he took the ball off. I mean, he walked off a little gingerly, but nothing that was like oh, you know, like he walked off right next to the trainer. Nobody helped him. Uh, he finished the play out. Came off him. He did a little hop because I'm sure it hurt. I'm assuming that he's not going to miss time. No, and he re- he reached down. He fired the ball over to first. Like it's fine. Took a couple of steps. Threw hard. It was fine. Again, precautionary. You at least see because again, this is also too. He's coming off an injury, so that's the other thing too. Yeah, his injury was, a, I think, a blister. That yeah, kept him out for that long. Like a either, blister, either way, but... though, you just don't want to work him because the last time he threw, it was only threw th- for three innings. So yeah, and it was makes all sense the way. By the way, this is his first start all the way since June seventh. Yeah, so like it's been almost two months. I think working him out, working him in, and getting only maybe five and a third is. Totally okay in my books. And again, he he chewed up innings and didn't give up a lot of runs against yeah, no, the an problem, Astros team that is very good. Yeah, the problem came uh, completely on Eli Morgan last night. Which, no surprise three. there, but... Uh, the one run that Syndergaard gave up actually was also off of Morgan. I mean, he was probably going to come in anyway. Altuve was at third when he got pulled. Uh, he was at second. Ball came off him. He went to third. He got the out at first. But Eli Morgan got shelled and gave up an additional three runs beyond the one that got put in that Syndergaard put on third. Yeah, and it just goes to show you that the bullpen is still an issue. Still an issue. Never seem to come through when they need to. Guards were holding a 2 to nothing lead when Syndergaard was pulled, and they lose 7-3. to three. Yep. 
Hey, enjoying this edition of Mistake by the Take? Never miss an episode by hitting the follow button on the podcast and by dropping a follow on all of our socials. That's at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Again, at Mistake by the Take on Instagram and at MBTT Pod on Twitter. Thanks a lot. And now back to the show. Um, moving on from Syndergaard, though, again, looked pretty good. It's time to talk about the shortstop position. It's crazy that this story gets pushed third on our list, by the way. Like, yeah, we, this has been the topic of the summer for us. And it really has been, yeah. And now we have our answer. Well, what seems to be our answer. I think you got your answer. And we haven't even talked about it yet, and we are almost an hour into this episode. That's crazy. Yeah. Baseball is wild right now. Um, Gabriel Arias is the guy who the Guardians decide to go to at the shortstop position. We talked about this a little bit last episode. He made the initial start. He's made just about every start since then. And honestly, I I don't want to say the guy looks great because, you know, he's had his struggles. But, like, dude, since being started, like, as the main starter here, because he earned that start. I'm trying to think of what day that would have been he got traded. I want to say that would be the 26th would be the day he took over the everyday starter role. Yeah, something around time, then. His last time playing before that was the 21st against the Phillies, and I feel like that wasn't the case. Because I think he went two for four in his first day starting. That sound right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, since then, uh, two for four against Kansas City. Two for four against Chicago. And he plays every game in the Chicago, or almost every game in the Chicago series. He sits out Saturday. Uh, he goes... So back-to-back two for fours, 0 for 2, I think he gets pinch hit in that game. Uh, and then the final day against Chicago, 1 for 4, last night against Houston, 3 for 4. Yeah. I think that's in his last seven games, for because that's basically the duration that we want to really get into. Yeah. I mean, you can't really complain with this performance. He's batting 444, a couple of RBIs here and there. But the the actually no wow no RBIs that's a yeah right. whatever it's not really again what we're looking at RBIs again important very very important to a guy to a hitter but but also in a way you could only do so much it's a product of your where team you're around at, you yeah, yeah in the lineup that too I, I think in eight hits and eighteen at bats that's what you're probably focusing on primarily with this one he he's producing. How wild is it that you stop putting a guy in every position except his natural one, and he gets a little comfortable? You give him every day at bats, he gets a little comfortable. You finally are seeing clarity with it, and it's a guy that was at the top of the prospect list for however long for a reason. That's why, again, that's why I was really not too concerned about us making that trade with the Rays because again if you, it's a struggling guy that has proven at some point to be good I'm not concerned about it and I knew eventually it would probably work out with Arias if you start to put him in a role that he is supposed to be in so it, it, it's starting to pay off I will say this though in his past seven games five strikeouts you, you, a little bit of a concern there he's a little prone to the strikeout I mean Still a young kid. No, I, I I agree. He's 23 years old. That's like, it's usually where you're going to get out of it. 
But you're facing veteran pitchers that yeah. are just, you know, and you're a little undisciplined. It, it happens, and I can deal with a guy being a little low strikeout heavy. Yeah, but we it, don't get especially that too that when often. you're batting in the same in that same time span, you're batting four 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 forty four. Like, yeah, I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, if every single one of your outs is a strikeout, but you're hitting four forty four, okay, yeah, fine by me. So overall, I'm pretty excited about it. It wasn't the guy that we were really expecting. We thought it was going to be Tyler Freeman, or it should have been Tyler Freeman. But, again, at this point, I I don't even care. I just wanted someone to produce. And take the everyday role. Again, we talked yeah. about that. Is You have to hand it to one person or the other. It looks like that's what they're doing. And hopefully they don't try to switch it to Tyler Freeman at some point to try to give him a chance. I, I don't think you... I don't think they will. Yeah, you don't fix what's not broke, right? Like, right. You're, it, especially with a guy that has a hot bat like this, don't try to mess no. around and do anything cute. And Tyler Freeman's still going to get the you know off day start every once in a right. while, just because you, you give guys days of rest. That's you have to. Um, on both Friday and Saturday, so the 28th and the 29th of July, Tyler Freeman got into the game, played. I think he was the one who pinch hit for Arias. Did not get on that time. And then on Saturday, where he was the starter, Arias got the day off. Uh, Freeman still goes one for three, drives in a run. Yeah. I Still promising. Still promising. But at the same time, I think it's Arias' job to lose now. I mean, I don't know if I'd go as far to say his job to lose. Just because it's so early on that I, I don't think it's like a, a shirt up like, but if he if keeps he playing keeps, this way, obviously. If he keeps obviously. playing this way, yeah, obviously. Yeah, any guy, that, if you keep hitting 400, sure, I think anybody's job would be locked up. But at the same time, you're you're finally getting clarity at the position that you thought. And two, he kind of has the upper hand in the sense of he was, I'm pretty sure he was the higher rated prospect. Definitely. And he was one of the big focal points of that Francisco Lindor trade. One of the, because he was the Mets, right? I don't think so. Either way, that was Jimenez and uh, Rosario. No, yeah, but there was also whatever trade he was in. He was the focal point. I think That's he what was the Clevenger to... trade, if I'm not mistaken. Either way, like what I really, I think so. I'm looking it up. Go ahead. Yeah, keep, keep going. I'll, Either way, I'll though, jump in was, and let you know. Whatever trade that you got him in, he was the focal point, right? Uh, he was a major piece of. I want to say it's that Clevenger trade. I'm literally digging right now, trying to find it as fast as possible. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah, I Anywho, wish I said I had something for you. But. I think he just he had an upper hand there, and now that it's finally starting to become his role, I could totally see it. I, I think I'm going to get to it before you. I'm literally on it as we speak. Hold on. <sighs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, no, he came over, and I'm right, yeah. There's a Clevenger trade. Anyways, he I came I, over with Hedges, Quantrill, get, Josh Naylor, Joey Cantillo, Owen Miller. Got a slew of guys. Yeah, there. Padres got got hip tossed on that one. A little bit, a <laughs> little, little bit. Well, uh, can you tell me who Mike Clevenger pitches for right now? Can I tell you? Yeah, it's because it's the Chicago She's White Sox, smidge. I believe. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, um, he, uh, he he's not yeah, but him Padres. and Naylor were the guys that you were kind of looking at to be the primary pieces, especially because he was highly tied. Anyways, that's what you're, I'm trying to get to is just he had the upper hand in that sense of he was going to be a key piece moving forward, and I think it just eventually took time 
for that to come to fruition. And now it finally is. And I, I don't know how high they truly were on Tyler Freeman. You know, MLB.com has Gabriel Arias as a right fielder. Oh, no. Everywhere has him as a right fielder right now because <laughs> uh, I believe that's his most logged position in the MLB. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, just downright wrong. Um, Still don't understand that, but whatever. Tito Francona. Gabriel Arias, though, I think the reason you go to him, too, in a way, is he's a natural shortstop where I think Tyler Freeman slots better into second base. And yeah, I agree. Andres could easily pl- scoot over and play shortstop. I mean, he came up as a shortstop. But he's already a gold glover while playing second. Like, there's no you reason to switch well him up. Keep him there. Like, again, you don't fix what's not broke. And defensively, Andres Jimenez is not broke. And you know what? I'm okay with Tyler Freeman being kind of a rotational piece in the middle infield if you need a guy that needs a break. That's, that's totally okay. That's great. Because yeah. you know what? Arias has not been able to pinch hit to save his life. You know who has? Tyler Freeman. Proved it already, yeah. That guy can come off the bench and keep his stick hot. Like, that's perfectly fine. I get that's not the role that he wants to be in, and it's not the role that I'd like to see him in ideally, because I really liked him coming up, and I've been publicly said that I probably like him over Arias this Same year. Same here. But I, I, I said it last episode, we talked about the Guardians too. I didn't really care. Like, as long as you picked one side, it was perfectly fine for me. You either went Arius or you went Freeman and you stick to it. You're going Arius right now, and it looks great. Stick, stick with to it. it. Stick with it and run with it for the rest of the year. And then Let make the year Rokio play out. be the issue next year. Let that play out. Yep. You can keep, you can hold on to all these guys, by the way. You can. Like, it's, we're not saying that you have to trade yeah, him. No, if Arius plays well, you're still in a good spot. Like... It's okay to slow the development of your players. Like, Rokio can stay in AAA a little bit. Yeah. It's perfectly fine if he's just mashing AAA guys. You figure it out once, you know, if he's sitting there hitting 350, you're like, all right, like, now I got to do something, right? Like, he's got to right. get up here. But as of right now, you're fine. Yeah. Leave it like this. You're good. Tyler Freeman saying hot off the bench. Arias playing just fine. A few things we want to get into. Uh, just kind of a rest of the season outlook. We just talked a lot about shortstop and our position on that, so we'll save you going back over that. Again, stick Arias there. Keep it going. The outfield is kind of what I want to talk about here. Uh, we, I mean, I feel like we talk about it every episode, but I still think it's time. Like, Miles Straw, and we've actually, this is the wonderful thing. We've seen Tito go away from him a little bit. Yeah, you have. He, he has not been in the lineup nearly as much as he had been before. We've seen Will Brennan slide over and play a little bit of center field here on off days and stuff. And Straw, I know he didn't play Sunday. He came in and pinch hit at some point. Um, I don't believe he played Friday either. And, like, dude, it is not a good streak for him right now either. Like, what? As I do a little bit of math, not my strong suit. Five of his last six games, he hasn't had a hit. His last one being the sixth, where he got a hit off the Astros last night. I still don't understand why he has a role with this team, truthfully. I think he should have a role. His role should be defensive replacement pinch runner. Well, yeah, just like, a very very limited role. Yeah, I, I think that you could argue he should be in the game at the end of every game in center field. He's that good defensively. When you substitute someone out to Who's, get in a bat so they need to put in center field. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I like, get that part. It, it's fine. Like, let's say Brennan makes the last out in the seventh or eighth inning. Like, okay. Like, in a game where you're up here, of course, too. 
Um, yeah, you're probably not coming up and seeing that spot hit in the order again. Miles Straw, go ahead. Yeah, you got the rest of the game. I think Will Brennan has solidified himself as a guy that should be in the outfield conversation at least, and Miles Straw is slowly pushing himself out of that conversation because now the issue is becoming center field. Obviously, it is, but. Now what are you going to do then if you push Miles Straw out of that role completely? Right, and I just did want to mention, by the way, Will Brennan currently on, I believe, a five-game hitting streak. So he's been a little streaky, though. I'll, I'll say that. Five-game hitting streak as well as, as I click on the wrong name, I believe, um, seven out of his last eight and nine out of his last 11. And the thing is, out of his last seven games, he's batting 280, seven hits, you know, it, nothing, it, it, one strikeout, playing pretty well. I mean, last 15, not the case really, batting 220. So it, he's kind of a little bit all over the place. He's starting to pick it up again more. But I, I think he's at least put himself in the conversation of being an everyday guy in the outfield. I don't think there's any really, there's no, no there's nothing that he's done to justify you saying, like, all right, maybe he should just be rotational guy. Because <laughs> you know what's great? If you compare him and Miles Straw directly, Brennan probably doesn't give you the same thing defensively, but he's a good defender. He's good enough. Um, he's also hitting 262, which is by you know, one of the better bats in the lineup. Yeah, Straw's hitting 235. Um, Straw's gone well over a million minutes at this point where he has not. Hit a home. I hit a home run. Well, and that's and you thing. know Will Brennan has five on the year, and that's the thing. And you could say Miles Straw is not a home run hitter, and I get it. But at the same time, when you're batting two thirty two and you have no home runs on the year, yeah, I'm gonna start to raise concerns on that. No, no, no. There's a no home run hit, like not a home run hitter, and then there's a guy who cannot hit a home run to save his life. Stephen like, Kwan, not a home run hitter, and he has been hitting home runs as of recent. Yeah, I think he has five on the year too, five or six yeah. now. So. Like, I, I, again, I think it's more of a case of now you're start, and that's partly why I think they brought up Oscar Gonzalez, is because I I think he's slowly Tito's is slowly realizing that he's not going to be a guy in the lineup that is going to consistently be there like you thought he was in Miles Straw. So I in Oscar Gonzalez, he could start to take over that role in right field. He keeps a bat hot because again he he, he struggled at the beginning of the year. Then he Very came much. up in his I mean his first game. What was he? I pinch it and got a hit. Yeah, and he's been good since. By the way, he's been pretty good. Uh, I, he's a total of two for seven, which puts you right at the two eighty five mark. He's earned a walk. He's only struck out two times in his seven at bats. I wouldn't mind giving that one a go in right field again if you're going to move Will Brennan to a center field role. Because, again, I'm getting pretty sick and tired of the straw scenario that we have to go through every game. And now it's slowly starting to diminish. Thank God. Yeah, I mean. But, again, again. I think that's probably what they were looking at when they brought him back up was like, okay, he could potentially become a replacement. The only other guy to consider in all this is David Fry. And I think Fry is another guy where you could start to really – See a role for him start to get carved out in the right field. I don't really like it as for like a positional thing defensively, but at the same time, it, it's better than what you would get at the plate from Miles Straw. You know what I'd love to see? Let's hear it. I would love to see Oscar Gonzalez get the start in right, Will Brennan start in center, 
David Fry at the DH? No, 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 no. You got to leave Josh Bell there. You're paying him seventeen million dollars. That's fair. And, uh, unfortunately, that's the case of the matter. And you, as well as I, know that you money know, make the world go round. Yeah, and five million dollars shouldn't be enough to keep a guy around in that spot. But if you pay a guy sixteen and a half, you kind of got to make the most sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he'd have to be doing like he'd have to be hitting in the one hundreds for yeah. you to move off that. I think you should take David Fry. Put him back in his, once again, natural position. Let him go catch the baseball. And unfortunately, say goodbye to Cam Gallagher. No, I agree. But at the same time, then, what's... I think I still want Bo Naylor to get... Bo Naylor can hit time. play two out of every three days. Yeah. So uh, then you, you just, just have to find a way to keep Straw... Or, excuse me, keep David Fry in the lineup. Great thing is, he can play multiple positions. He can play left field, he can play right field, he can play catcher, he can play first. If you need a replacement in any of those positions, go ahead and play him. Yeah, but I other agree. than that, I think he should be your second catcher. I, I think it, Cam, Cam Gallagher. I, I completely agree. Cam Gallagher's a good defensive guy. He hasn't done anything to like, you know, really make me hate him or anything. Like, I. I but his stick's not there. No, he's in one thirty nine, dude. And like, especially with the team where you don't have a lot of consistency throughout the lineup, you need a guy at that catcher spot that can hit. At least be serviceable. Yeah, like, and he's fine defensively. Good like defensively. I, yeah, he's not like I'm saying from like a catcher's perspective of like you don't you he's not going to be fantastic defensive like Gold Glove caliber guy. But at the same time, like he's serviceable. It's not like our pitchers are completely worse. Where you know Mike Zanino, like where the hell like that was horrible. Yeah, like if you put David like Fry back there, he, yeah. he looks pretty good. Like, yeah. I would probably say above average. Yeah, so I'm not. I'm completely okay with it. And you know, I I don't. Again, I don't understand the Cam Gallagher situation right now. I think it makes Cam, no sense. I think Cam Gallagher's gotten off the hook a little bit too much. Oh, I agree. From Cleveland fans, like even from okay, yeah, I could see it. Like we've gone away from like. I mean, we talked at the beginning of the year when the dude was hit no fifty. Like he's got to go. Yeah, and he picked it up a little bit. You know, he did fall back into his rhythm, but now he's back into the hot seat in my eyes. Cam Gallagher could not stick around. You are not making a playoff run. You are not winning a playoff series. You are not winning a playoff game with Cam Gallagher in the lineup. Especially, too, you've invested in Bo Naylor. You have to roll with him. And and then at that point, he's going to be pretty much your everyday starter. Obviously, you rotate the catcher position. That's the, how it goes. But at the same time, who is going to be that rotational piece? It's got to be David Fry. And, and you want to talk about giving the young guys their work. That's been your one thing like this whole year is – Commit to the young guys, let them have it. Cam Gallagher's thirty. Yeah, you're not it's, getting it, it's it's over for him. Like his career is you know at the halfway mark, if not past it at this point. David Fry, not a youngin. I mean, he's twenty seven. He's but he's younger. Yeah, and he's a guy who's had less reps in the MLB. But he's also he could play different positions as well too. Like he's a guy and that's you still don't developing. See that and a guy that's playing really well. He's got he's a hot two eighty four. He's got a hot bat. He could play multiple different positions. And you can, uh, he, he's, it seems like he's fine with being a platoon guy too, where he just, you stick him one position, one game, and that's fine. And then another one in another game. Dude's happy to get into the batter's box. So that's how, and that's really all that matters. So I don't get why you're going to try to put Cam Gallagher back there and expect a different result. No, makes absolutely zero sense. That'll pretty much wrap up the outfield, though. I got, got a little bit off my chest. Got Cam Gallagher to. off my chest, too. You had to. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to do before we get into going into the Browns talk 
is kind of take a look at our schedule. And the guards currently, as we talked about, sitting a game back in the AL Central. And I just want to take a look, take a look at kind of who our opponents are going forward, who the Twins' opponents are going forward, and is it realistic to think that the Guardians could stay out in front and make a run? So let's just get into the first opponent. First things first, I mean, you got to look at who we're playing right now. The Astros. Tough series. That, yeah. That's not where you want to be. That is not the team you want to be facing. Uh, and I kind of want to go side by side here, right? The, okay. Like yeah. bounce back and forth between yeah. them and the Twins. You want to handle the Twins? Yeah, I can, right. I can do the Twins. Uh, first thing, I, I'll toss them up if you don't have it up right away. But I got the Twins up. Go for it. Uh, now the Twins are in a little stretch. They're away in St. Louis right now. So they kind of got the upper hand on that. Got uh, a three-game set there. I would definitely say that they have the advantage um, right now. The, they're facing a lot of NL teams as I look in the month of August. That they are. Which is really strange. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I think we've pretty much wrapped up our because, NL stretch. Uh, I mean, we'll get into, I, I mean, think it's, it's like three series left. It's kind of like 50-50 on NL and AL, which they kind of get the upper hand in August. Because, again, like we said before, the NL is not very dominant this year. And some of these opponents that they're going to face, I mean, again, the Cardinals, D-backs are hot right now. I'll give them that. But they face the Pirates in a three-game set. They get the Brewers twice. You know, Phillies. It kind of seems a little strange. You know, I I, I don't know. I They have a little bit of an easier schedule, it looks like. Uh, we'll keep going though. I mean, might yeah, as well. Rock we might as well. Uh, next up, guards play the White Sox after the Astros, and then, like I said, they play the D-backs at home. I think not, guards. That's not going to be an easy one. No, I think guards have the upper hand there. I mean, yeah. D-backs haven't been incredible as of late. They're three out of their last ten they've won. But overall, they're still a team that can compete, though. Yeah, I mean, they're still they're they're dangerous enough to win games. Exactly. Uh, guards take on a tough one after that. They head to Toronto, and or well, they host Toronto, I should say. Well, and then you know. Twins get the upper hand on that one. They got a four-game set. They Luckily for the Guardians, they at least are going to Detroit for it. But, I mean, they're facing the Tigers four-game set. That should be the Twins getting the upper hand on that one. Definitely. I mean, Tigers aren't, like, abysmal. They're 47-59 on the year. But, but it still is They still the have Tigers. the upper hand, 100%. Yes. Um, after that, guards go on the road after that back-to-back home series. They then play Tampa Bay, and yikes. Yeah, not ideal. And, again, it's at least... <laughs> Although Tampa I, Bay, I do have to say, on a slide in the second half of the year. I wouldn't... Yeah, no, I, I agree. They do have a three-game set with the Phillies in Philadelphia, the Twins do. So, it, again, it's at least it kind of evens out a bit. Hey, Phillies, eight games over 500. That's what I'm saying. You know, you're comparing, you know, apples to apples oranges, oranges yeah, at that right. point. Yeah, so, you know, it, it, at least there is a hard opponent, especially to they are going to Philadelphia for it, which is pretty pretty big, I'd say. Yeah, uh, after that, guards, uh, I was going to say it doesn't get much easier, but theoretically it kind of does. They, uh, they go on the road and they play a two-game series in Cincinnati against the Reds. Yeah, still a tough team to beat. It's still a tough team. And then, I mean, again, I think the Twins probably get the upper hand in this one since they do face the Tigers in a two-game set at home. So, again, like we said before, Tigers are not abysmal, but you should. That's two winnable games right there, especially when you're at home. 
Yeah. Uh, plus side is right after that, the guards take on the Tigers at home. Yeah, and then again, it's a toss up at this point because the Twins take on the Pirates at home, three game set. Yeah, both kind of in a good spot there. Yeah. Um, after that, guards go to LA or host LA playing the Dodgers. I, Brewers, two both, game set. Both tough games. Yeah. Uh, guards are in a three game set against the Dodgers, so there's that. But either way, both of those are going to be hard sets to win. And it looks like the Guardians might get the upper hand here, though, because they the Twins will be hosting the Rangers for a four-game set. That's good. That's so, really that's good, yeah. From the 24th to the 27th. Uh, yeah, 25 to 27 is going to be the Guards on the road against Toronto. So it's not a freebie, but I would rather play them than the Rangers, probably. Yeah, probably. And then they go up against each other at the end of the month. Huge, huge, huge. Like, you got to come to play. Yeah, it's going to be a big one because then when you leak into the month of September, I mean it's 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 going to get sketchy for both teams too because they play each other again yep. in the second week. Uh, before that, guards were playing Tampa Bay again, so and then the ra- they go against against the Rangers again. in Texas, so that's uh, guards play at home against. Tampa. Yeah, so at least upper hand. Um, after the Guardians series, you're looking at a three game set against the Mets, but uh, you know. Well, same boat, team. guards on the road against the Angels. So. Yeah, luckily, I mean, luckily for the Twins, they are at home, and then they also are at home. This is this is going to be actually a really tough stretch for the Twins because they go. I'm just going to kind of rattle it off because well, it's a tough stretch for the guards too. Sorry, to break I, too. Well, I wouldn't say tough. I wouldn't say tough stretch because the teams are easy, but it's just they don't get a break. Like they either do the guards. Yeah, they're they're playing against the Mets for three games, and then right after that, they play the Rays for three games at home. They go to Chicago and play the White Sox for a four-game set, and then right after that, they go to Cincinnati and play a three-game set. I mean, it's uh, granted the opponents probably might not be the best, but you're still playing what at that point? I mean, one, two. I can't do math correctly, but you're playing two straight weeks. Yeah. Um, after that Angel series, you're on the West Coast if you're the Guards, which also sucks. Yeah. Uh, you go to San Francisco to play a pretty good Giants team right now, and they're four and six in their last ten, but they've been on the up. They're still a good team. Yeah, they're the second team in the NL West, uh, and then you host the Rangers for a three-game series, coming off of a West Coast trip. You get a day off in between those, luckily. Um, then you travel to Kansas City. You play them. Then you're in a four-game set with Baltimore at home, and then right after that, you host Cincinnati for a two-game set, and you round out your season on the road against Detroit. Yeah, and I mean you're facing the Angels. Athletics and Rockies to finish out the series for the three couple of series there for the Twins. Yeah, you're but, either going to need to be up a good portion of games going into the last two series or get absolutely blessed. Basically, what it looks like is the Twins, after about middle of September, get the upper hand. That's what it sounds like because they have to face the White Sox, Reds, Angels, Athletics, and Rockies. The guards are going to have to play some upsets. Here. So. Basically, you're going to have to have a substantial lead heading into that series and then also win out that series when you face them in early September. I, I think massively it comes down to these games against each other. The Guardians have to it's probably— It's going to be big time. I, I think you got to take— you got to go 4 of 6 at yeah, least. at least 4 of 6. And honestly, like if you don't go Even 5— then, like, you got to go 5. You, you most likely are going to have to go 5 and 1, especially— if you really want to get your momentum going, 
you're going to try to you, you want to have to sweep that series in September. Yeah. I mean, that's just how it goes. And no matter what though, out of these 6 games, I think we can agree that you need to at least win 4 of them to without, really take a momentum shift. Without a doubt, you have to have 4 against the Twins and play very good baseball throughout the rest of the year. Which I think they can. It's it's not impossible. It's just that they have to be more consistent with the bats. They're dis- at a disadvantage. Yeah, I, I think. And that's... I think the injuries are going to have to start to. You're, you, hopefully you get Shane Bieber back on time, so then at that point you're you're not going to see him against the Twins, but you at least see him during that hefty schedule. Yeah, and especially too when you're not getting much of a break, it's crucial. So, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm. We'll see what happens, I guess. My mind would tell me to lean twins at this point. Probably, which is not good for those bets for you. Well, you know, I still got I still got money tied up in the, the, Reds, the Reds, so that's yeah. more okay. where we focus. But it would be nice if they both won it. Yeah. Not only as a Guardians fan, but as somebody who's a Guardians believer and puts their money where their mouth is. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, that pretty much wraps up the guards. Uh, replacing this or that this week, we're actually going to go straight into... I guess a preview for next episode, because again, we're going to be talking Browns preseason. We're going to do it right after the Hall of Fame game. We're going to record it probably that Friday. I'm assuming that the game's probably going to be too late on Saturday for either of us to want to be up here recording. So we're probably going to record it Friday morning and then put it out mid to midday to like evening Friday. Yeah, so just be on the lookout for that. Yeah, but we want to give you a little bit of an intro into kind of what we're going to be talking about. Yeah, and also, too, we it's not just going to be about the game itself. I think also, too, we want to talk about just overall how everything's been because we we kind of did just an introduction on how the preseason is going to, you know, how it started out and stuff. But now it's more shifting into the, all right, what what's... What's everything kind of dying down with training camp and preseason? What are we ramping up with? But uh, Speaking I, I, of training camp, by the way. Go ahead. Uh, Browns and Bria for the first day today. Thank God. It's good to, Out of the green good to be back. But, no, I mean, there's a couple storylines that I think are going to be interesting heading into that game. Uh, do, do you I'll want kick me it to, off. Yeah, do you yeah. want to go? I'll kick it off. We'll just kind of shoot these back and forth because there's a couple that we have written down that we'll be looking at. Kind of yeah. give you, again, a preview into what we'll be talking about and focus on most probably going into the next episode. Uh, first things first, you, you got to be looking on eyes on Jerome Ford. Yeah, like I, Nick Chubb. I, I don't even know if this man should play the preseason. I don't. I don't even think that it's a case of just Jerome Ford. I think it's just an RB room as a whole. That, that's obviously Nick Chubb shirt up. I don't need to see Nick Chubb at right. all in the preseason. I, I think maybe like for a drive, just to at least yeah, kind like of keep, keep his the, legs moving, yeah. stuff like that. A drive or two is fine. But even then, like I, I don't even want to take the risk. No, yeah, me either. But especially too, because he's going to be a crucial part of this offense now with without Kareem Hunt. I, I wouldn't hate to see Jerome Ford against ones either. No, I wouldn't either. Um, but most thing I'm, I'm most excited in that room for Jerome Ford because we really haven't gotten to see him play aside from preseason last year. Yeah, no, it, it, Jerome Ford has been a guy. You got him last. It was in the 2022 draft. Y- you kind of expected him to be the replacement of Kareem Hunt in this system. And it, it, by all means, it's looking like he is going to be. Oh, yeah. And right now, after him, you really got nothing else, which is still, like, seems weird to think, like, okay, well, what are you going to turn to if there's an injury there? Because Dimitri Felton, 
you kind of think maybe you'll see a little bit of him. I mean, he's listed as also like a partial wide receiver now at this point, too. So that's why I'm kind of like, I, I don't know really what his role is going to be. So, uh, guy I'm most excited, I, I don't want to say most excited to see, but I think I have the highest hopes for is going to be John Kelly Jr. I think John Kelly Jr. probably sees a little bit of a role. I think what's going to be interesting is what are they going to turn to after Jerome Ford gets his snaps? That's where I'm looking at. I'm I'm assuming that it's going to be Felton. But yeah. I could I could easily see John Kelly Jr. getting some snaps as well. Yeah, I mean we've seen a little bit out of him, right? Like yeah, you, you saw him in a couple games with the Rams. He uh, I think it was 2018. Yeah, he logged like 27 rushing attempts, and outside of that, it was like basically nothing. I right. Think, I think we saw him play and like start one game for the Rams. Did we not? I think or like maybe? have a crucial role in something one game. Like, like that. Yeah, he played in like I think one game enough snaps to. Kind of, you know, settle himself in. But I think he's easily the guy that you have to keep your eyes on most if you're looking for somebody to actually do something. But I still think they're probably going to – I think they're going to sign someone else. It's not going to be a big-time name. It's not going to be like Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette or anything like that. I think it's just a third running back in that room to kind of sure it up. Uh, By the way, with John Kelly Jr. just confirming – he had 10 attempts in Week 16 against the Cardinals in 2018 and 15 attempts in Week 17 against the Niners. Which I don't really think they're going to trust in someone being like that. Uh, because, again, Dearness Johnson was your guy last year. Right. Now, I, I just don't know who's going to fill in that Dearness Johnson role because it looks like Jerome Ford, all signs are pointing to him being the Kareem Hunt, I'd, I'd say. Well, this is the great part, right? Well, Jerome Ford, I think, is... I don't want to call him like sure away the RB two, but he's pretty much the RB two. He like, basically he's again all signs are really starting to point to it. Um, but I think you actually get to see a lot out of this. Like, th- there's going to be a third running back on the roster, whether you like it or not. There's yeah. going to be a guy. Oh, there. no doubt about it. And you're going to get to see these guys kind of displayed. I mean, you have Hassan Hall, who you went and signed post draft. I'm interested to see that one as well too. He'll get to run around. Uh, Nate McCrary is another name. Who knows? Uh, he's a you know. Second-year player now this year out of Saginaw Valley State. And that, and that's the thing, too. Like, no one really expected Dearness Johnson to be Dearness Johnson until that Cowboys game where— I don't think anybody. I don't randomly think the Browns. Just popped out. Yeah. Like, they picked the dude off of a boat fishing Mahi Mahi. Like, so, yeah. I Maybe it's one of those things where they don't go out and sign a guy, and they just trust in maybe like it's a John Kelly or a Hassan Hall. Like— we don't know that for sure, and this is when we start to see a little bit of clarity in that. Because if you start to pop off in this game, say John Kelly Jr. or even Dimitri Felton at that point, start to really kind of like show something, they might just say, screw it, there's our third guy, we're good. Yeah, if you need to know how uh, important preseason is, uh, we're a couple of football guys that are going to be talking about RB3s in the next episode. Which, I mean... it's. Listen, yeah. It seems stupid, the but it still is are important. Gonna, yeah, because it, what happens if Nick Chubb goes down? And then Jerome Ford say, by all means, like, I, I hope they don't. But what if they go and they deal with an injury? Because we saw that many times. Yep. We've seen Dearness Johnson step into a role multiple different times throughout his years with the Browns out of nowhere and pop off 100 yards a game or yep. something like that, something I mean, random. We'll see if they 
I don't know that they sign anybody going into the year. Somebody gets hurt, like Jerome Ford, you might be looking You're more definitely signing. looking at someone being signed at that point. I mean, unless again, one of these not, guys... It's not going to be a guy that's a big-time name, obviously. No, I just want to see how these guys move, really. Yeah, like, I agree. I'm excited to watch the back end of that game just to literally see how these guys are moving around. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because you can't go off of like yardage production in the preseason no, necessarily either. No, obviously not. It's more of just what you're looking at, see, how again, how they move, and just... Basically, what you're going to get out of them, you know, what style of play do they like to to run with, and what type of runner they are, and stuff. I agree. Yeah, it's exciting. But, yeah, uh, you want to kick us off into our next point? I think the next one that we should probably be looking at is the wide receiving room in general. So obviously, I think the two names that you're not you're you're definitely not going to see Amari Cooper. I don't think he plays a snap. He's, uh, technically, no, he's dealing because, with the muscle injury. Yeah, and... he's. I don't think he plays a snap the full. Preseason, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. He's or a veteran. Yeah, like, like you can go talk to Aaron Rodgers, who's like the preseason extraordinaire. Uh, he probably won't play very much in this Hall of Fame game either. Like, just send him down. It's fine. We don't have to deal with that. Be healthy for the season. I think you'll probably see a little bit of Elijah Moore, yeah. just to kind of at least get the connection between the two, and that leaks into our next point as well. But it, so we'll, I guess. Can we just time and yeah, we'll just time it together. That's fine. I think that's one thing from the wide receiver perspective of okay, how are they going to use Elijah Moore and what is his connection going to be like with Deshaun Watson going forward? Because you've seen Elijah Moore get lined up in basically all over the field, and he's been used in jet sweeps, running the ball, throwing like everything at this point. So I think you probably you're not going to see much of him, but you're going to see a little sample size that I would look out for, but. There's other pieces that I think you are starting to look for as well. I don't know how much you're going to see of Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah. I uh, think they're not going to probably plan that much. No, he might get like a few more snaps than a couple of, like, I like think he gets Amari probably, Cooper yeah. would have gotten healthy. but I think he probably gets more than Elijah Moore and Amari Cooper, obviously. But I also think, too, he's not going to get as much as guys like Cedric Tillman, Tillman, you'll see a lot of. You're going to see. And David Bell. The guys that you're going to see a lot of are Cedric Tillman, David Bell, Anthony Schwartz, Jakeem Mm. Grant, probably. He's going to get some reps in there. I I would think so, yeah. Um, Those are probably the majority of the guys that you're really going to see. Yeah, that you should have your eyes open for, right? The rest are kind of like, eh, you know, Jalen Darden. Jalen Darden. You're probably going to see a couple, couple reps from him. Austin Watkins Jr. is more of a depth piece. Like I, I just think that. Like I don't know if you're going out there and really you know locking in on Mike Harley Jr. Rashawn Henry. I think what you're probably going to look at also too out of this room is okay. What is how how is Anthony Schwartz doing? I think that's going to be a big one because this is a make or break year for him. Yeah, hopefully bad. Hopefully bad. I don't want to see him on the field. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Uh, David Bell. I think maybe you see him in an expanded role. Maybe more passes and stuff, and then also too for the first time, Cedric Tillman. Like, what are we? What 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 is Cedric Tillman outside of this Tennessee offense? The you know, great what thing is, is role going to be. You might see Cedric Tillman line up against some ones, especially with Amari Cooper being down. You might get to see how he's up against like actual cornerbacks in the right. NFL, and then you're going to get to see him. You know, like get to ramp down a little bit, or in his play, ramp up against less talented guys as the game goes. I on. I agree. I agree. And then probably the last point that you're really going to have to look out for, sorry if I'm skipping you on this no, one. No, go for it. But the, you're going to probably see some defensive alignments under Jim Schwartz and just how the defense is going to run in general. 
I'm, I'm, it's a whole new setup. It's a whole new setup. So I don't, I don't know what's going to be. And obviously, you're not going to see Miles Garrett that much, no. if anything. You're gonna, you're gonna take every play defensively, in terms of like, okay, you know, this individual player doing that. You have to, and it's all preseason offense, defense. You take it with a grain of salt, but you get to see how the defense. You're just looking. Looks. Yeah, you're looking at it from a schematic standpoint. Yes. Like, don't look at the individual players and like guys in you know the third quarter are gonna mess up their fucking assignments. I get it. Right. The, but like, you get to sit there and stare at it and be like, okay, you know, he's deciding to blitz here. Where does he go in his blitz right. packages? Who does he send? Like, and obviously he'll be mixing it up all season. He's is a it a three guy. four? Is it a four three? Like, right. what is he doing in certain scenarios? I think that's what you're gonna have to look out for in this game, um, because again. You're you're not going to see the star guys. That wide so, nine technique. I, I'm I'm really interested to see that one because I mean, man, that is weird. That it's, is an oddball. And I don't know who they're going to throw. Out. You know who they're probably going to throw out in preseason to see that? Isaiah McGuire. He's so going to be that guy that he they're going to try in that guy. nine tech. So maybe look out for that too. Isaiah McGuire potentially in the nine tech. Oh, by the way, I I think we should have probably hit this and hot off the press, but you know, we'll just throw it in here. Let's hear it. Uh, did you see the fight? Between yeah. James Hudson and uh, James Hudson and Agbo, you like my tweet about that? I actually don't know that I saw it. Did I? I, I think I yeah, did. You yeah, did. I did. You said did, it was funny. Yeah, because I said <laughs> it was if, if Jake and I got in a fight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's true though. If I you yeah, know. you'd you would have been Agbo for sure. I would have. Uh, yeah, yeah just... I would have been. No, I would have been James. No. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I would have slapped you like Agbo slapped James Hudson, you, you would have hit the floor. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it was. I was just like, really. It was just a slap. It was so funny. He looked it like a little funny. kid doing it. Yeah. I it, thought it was a joke at first, but too. then it was like legit. I was like, "Oh, okay." Agbo literally just clapped him on the ear of the helmet, and then immediately started running away in like this little low run, like oh, he was yeah. laughing while it was, he was doing it. Looked like a kid. It was yeah. hilarious, but yeah, no. But James Hudson didn't find it hilarious. He chased no, him he down didn't, and, and then they was not happy. Fight. And then they had to run after it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's usually how that's how no. sports work. I mean, the and that's the thing too. I you know what pisses me off is people always make like bad things out of training camps, like fights and stuff. It's just like. Every team deals with fights. Every team that I've ever played on, we've had fights before, like in in these preseason or anything. We're talking some of the most highly competitive athletes in the world. Like shit talking all all the time. Hitting each other. Yeah. Literally hitting each other. Even in baseball, like we didn't hit each other either. But like I remember there's scenarios where, I mean, one of our guys that we worked with, I won't mention his name, like I've picked fights with them. Like it's just how it is. You know, your competitive nature. So I... I don't see any issues with it. No. It's just the nature of high-level sports. And it's people that are complaining about it have never played high-level sports or are truly around it too much to know it. Also, um, we're talking about a backup offensive guard against a rotational defensive end. Yeah. So, like, it's not a huge issue. People are like, why wasn't just Sean Watson in there? Um, I don't think I'd like my no. $260 million quarterback to go jump into the nope. fire against a bunch of 300-pounders. I saw no, him walk away, and I was just like, yep, do that, do that, please. You want to go talk to him after? That's great. That's yeah. great. Go yell Settle at the team Settle down after, after but at, like, in the midst, in the of, midst it, of it, get the fuck away. Walk away. Yeah. Please, disinterest yourself You're fine. That. You don't need to be the guy in there. I don't, exactly. I don't need to know that Deshaun Watson gets his ankle rolled up on because big boy James Hudson was coming with a full head of steam. Right. Um, I guess the only thing I'll mention about the Browns, though, uh, that wraps up our points. But personally, I'm excited to watch. Uh, I believe he's available. Nick Harris should be good to go for his first time. Last year, he tore his Achilles or ACL. I can't remember which one. Like, it literally in the first drive of preseason. Yeah. That was, 
I remember that. Yeah. That's crazy. And he was supposed to be the starter that year. That's where you got Pochich, and that's where you know he kind of shifted from a guard to a center, took things over, and was incredible sudden, doing yeah. it, and that's why he's starting this year. But uh, I'm a big Nick Harrison. I like yeah. Nick Harrison. I like we'll what, what I saw out of him. Luke Weber too. You got yeah, another White, guy there. Dewan Jones. Dewan Jones. Dewan Jones gonna is going to be fun. That's probably the other thing, too, that we should have mentioned as well. Rookies you're definitely going to look out after as well. Yeah. We already said Cedric Tillman, but other guys like Isaiah, Isaiah McGuire – but yeah, no. Overall, it's it, it. I'm excited. I'm really excited to get some football back in me. There's going to be way too much attention on Canton on a random Thursday. Yeah, I'm going to be staring. As they should. Yeah, I, I'm going to be having way too much fun watching Canton Thursday. Yeah. But uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, think that wraps it up. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do the socials? Or do you want me to run to it? I can do it. Let's really go. quick. All right. It's MB MBTT Pod. On Twitter, mistake by the take on Instagram, Volnick2 on Twitter for Jake, and then also Jake Volnick on Instagram, and then always, as always, DY Felt on Instagram and Twitter for me. Again, just going to remind you that our episode is going to be coming out later on Friday, and we'll be reacting to the Browns Hall of Fame game, first preseason game of the NFL. See ya. Deuces.